Well, good, morning. good morning, and welcome coming out to Blue Lake this morning on this rainy October morning. Well, today's message is Open My Eyes. Last week, I attended a convention in Orlando, Florida. Uh, 25,000 people from all around the world representing the produce and floral business, uh, together with uh, buyers from supermarkets from all over the country, had all come together in Florida at the Orange County Convention Center. The keynote address before this event started was done by Peyton Manning. And in front of this huge audience, he told his life story. And despite his amazing NFL career, Peyton shared that the beginnings were rocky and difficult. When he started playing for the Indianapolis Colts, this team was at that time one of the lowest rated teams in the NFL. Well, his first year with the Colts didn't go very well. To this day, Manning holds the record for more interceptions in a rookie year, um, with 28 in total. Out of fear of getting sacked by these huge linebackers of the opposing defense, he got the ball out quickly, on short plays, often throwing into double coverage. Meanwhile, the wide receivers uh, on the longer routes were open. But Peyton didn't see it in his rookie year. So after the first season, Jim Mora, his coach, told him to open his eyes. Look for opportunities to find receivers that were open down the field. Well, he did. And from that point forward, he found open receivers, resulting in completions and moving the chains down the field. All the rest is history. Peyton Manning, in his amazing career, set many NFL records, including 539 touchdowns, 72,000 yards of passing, 200 wins, 5 MVPs, more than any other quarterback in the NFL. Well, today's theme of opening my eyes, open my eyes, highlights two things. First, eyes. But secondly, eyes that need to be open. Well, what does the Bible say about eyes and opening of eyes? In the Bible, eyes are mentioned 500 times but mostly in the Old Testament. But the four Gospels in the New Testament describe blindness, blindness and opening of eyes more than any other place in the entire Bible. Of the 37 miracles recorded in those four Gospels, there are two instances of blind man's eyes being opened. The first healing took place in Matthew 9, 
with the sight of two blind men being restored. The other instance where a man's eyes are opened is described in Matthew 20, Luke 18, and Mark 10, 46. That's all the same event recorded in all three Gospels. The man was once blind, but because of an encounter with Jesus, he now could see. Only Jesus was able to open his eyes. And this is what brings us to today's reading of Mark 10, 46-52, on page 47, and I'll give you a moment to look that up. They came to Jericho as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. Let's bow our heads. Guide us, O God, by your word and spirit, that in your light we may see light. In your truth find wisdom, and in your will discover your peace, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In this setting, in Mark 10, Jesus is leaving Jericho, followed by a great crowd on the pilgrim's way to Jerusalem. Now you may wonder, where exactly is Jericho located? It's a question I have. Well, Jericho is located northeast of Jerusalem, in the depths of the Jordan Valley, at an elevation of 800 feet below sea level. So Jesus passes through Jericho, several times in the three-and-a-half-year ministry. And in Luke 19.1, we read how he inspired a local chief tax collector named Zacchaeus to repent of his dishonest deeds. Now, the road between Jericho and Jerusalem is also the setting for the parable of the Good Samaritan. Jewish historian Josephus 
wrote in his journals that this road was about 18 miles long. A traveler would climb from an elevation of 800 feet below sea level up to Jerusalem at 2,500 feet above sea level. In other words, a serious uphill climb of 3,300 feet in elevation change. Just as a reference point, Buckhorn Summit on 299 is 3,200 feet. Now, Jerusalem receives about 25 inches of rain per year and has a, a Mediterranean climate. Jericho, on the other end, only receives 8 inches of rain and is more desert-like. In fact, Jericho was and still remains an oasis situated in the midst of a desert because of the presence of a water source commonly referred to as Elisha's spring. So in verse 46, the Bible says, As he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. So Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. But right when he is about ready to leave Jericho and make that long hike through the dry, arid land, a, a blind man shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, to the Jewish people at the time, the term son of David indicated that Jesus was recognized as the anointed one, as the descendant of King David, the Messiah who was foretold in Isaiah 61.1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So that word Messiah means anointed one. And in Judaism, Messiah is a king who will be sent by God to, to save the Jewish people. So the man was screaming. He was croaking. Have you ever heard ravens croak? Ah, ah. Or when we plant iris in the field, we plant those iris with the little noses still sticking out. And often these huge ravens will come by and they will pull all these iris bulbs right out of the ground. And right as they were doing it, they keep this persistent croaking, this scream. Or so this blind man was sitting there with this persistent scream. Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. Or he knows by heart the scriptures. And he can't help but think about Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and I will make you to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison. And to release from the dungeon 
those who sit in darkness. This man is truly showing his faith. And Jesus sees something in his heart that is open. And here is a huge distinction. This blind man showed that he had faith. And even though his physical eyes were closed, his spiritual eyes, his heart is open and receptive. Contrary to the Pharisees, who walked around with eyes wide open. They were religious, but they were spiritually blind. Today, there are people blinded by the truth of the gospel. Blinded by sin. Blinded by hopelessness. Blinded by fear. Blinded by anger. And in the process, they shut down any contact with God. But God is a God of love. His word came to Isaiah 42.16. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. Jesus asked the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? And he asked that question of us today. But only when we talk to Jesus, he can act. The man said, teacher, let me see. Asking Jesus with faith, going to him with a specific request, with your heart filled with trust and surrender in him, like Bartimaeus. He allowed to get his sight back. Jesus restores his sight immediately. And he tells him in verse 52. Your faith has made you well. Well, A few weeks ago, I visited my daughter in Southern California. And she wanted to visit the Harvest Church in Riverside, California. Pastored by Craig Laurie. This mega church has an auditorium of 3,000 seats. And they host three services on a Sunday morning. One at 8, one at 10, and one at 12.30. Well, we attended the 8 o'clock service. And we got there a little early, like 7.15. But at 7.15... I was surprised on how many cars were already in the parking lot. We had some time to kill, so we visited a bookstore right next to the sanctuary. By 8 o'clock, the entire auditorium had filled up. There were no seats left. As a matter of fact, 
they had some chairs set up outside with a huge screen for all those who couldn't find a seat inside. Then the worship band started singing with some amazing songs. And then Craig Laurie gave an amazing, inspiring sermon. But in that bookstore, I picked up one of Craig Laurie's latest books titled The Jesus Revolution. And in this fascinating book, Laurie weaves his biography with the amazing revival that took place in the late 60s and early 70s. Hippies at the time had tried to fill the emptiness of their souls with LSD and other drugs, but they couldn't get satisfaction and fulfillment with what they were searching. They walked in darkness But because of the redeeming love of God, the Holy Spirit started working in remarkable ways and set up a revival and a spiritual awakening that spread throughout the country in the early 70s. On June 21, 1971, Time magazine put the Jesus Revolution on its cover with a depiction of Jesus Christ. Hundreds of thousands of hippies turned away from drugs. They converted. Their eyes were opened and they became followers of Jesus Christ. They adopted a lifestyle similar to that of the early Christians recorded in the book of Acts. Now, Paul wrote to those Christians in the book of Acts, in Ephesians 5.8, and this is what he said. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Well, two of those children were Craig Laurie and his wife Kathy. And at one time, they were hippies, addicted to whatever drug that was available. But during this revival, they were touched by the love and healing power of Jesus Christ. They once were blind, and now their eyes were opened. Some of the fastest growing denominations in America, such as Calvary Chapel, Hope Chapel churches and Vineyard churches all trace their roots back to the Jesus movement of the uh, early 70s. Craig Laurie has organized Billy Graham style crusades for the last three decades. This summer alone, 100,000 people attended Angel Stadium in Anaheim in one weekend. And over 10,000 people came to Christ that weekend. Well, this book, The Jesus Revolution, concludes with the premise that all the revivals of the past, be it the Great Awakening of 1730 or the Fulton Street Revival of 1857 or the Jesus Revolution of the 70s, they were all born 
out of a desperate need of the people. A spiritual thirst and hunger. One could argue that given the moral decay in today's society, the opioid addiction crisis sweeping through America, and countless other examples, that perhaps we are on the onset of the next spiritual awakening. Our opening hymn this morning was To God Be the Glory. This hymn was written by Fanny Crosby in 1875. When Fanny was six weeks old, she caught a cold and developed an inflammation of her eyes. Mustard paste was applied to treat the discharges. Seems like a cruel way to do it. All this in turn damaged her optic nerves and blinded her for life. But through her blindness, she developed skills and flourished in talents that may have never been evident otherwise. She wrote a few more hymns, like eight or eight thousand, eight thousand hymns in all. As a matter of fact, the publisher requested that she started using some pseudonyms to her hymns, uh, so her hymns wouldn't dominate the hymnals at the time. Fanny Crosby was asked, Fanny Crosby was asked if she had a choice, would she have preferred to have life without blindness? And this is what she said. No, if I had a choice, I would still choose to remain blind. For when I die, the first face I will ever see will be the face of my blessed Savior. Jesus is the source of light. Eyes are useless without light. See these beautiful tulips here this morning? Well, the bulbs of these tulips came from New Zealand. They were harvested in January of this year. After harvest, the bulbs went into a warm room, 73 degrees, for, for several weeks. Then they were loaded on a sea container and shipped across the Pacific at 44 degrees. Six weeks in total darkness. And once they arrived in Oakland... They were trucked to Arcata. Then we planted these in these plastic crates in soil. And they went back into a dark cooler. This time at 48 degrees. And once we had enough roots, once enough roots were developed, the temperature went even lower to about 31 degrees, right around freezing. And they stayed at that temperature in a dark place up to three weeks ago. And at that point, they came out of darkness. They finally saw the light. The great light conditions in Arcata, California. In the heart of winter, light levels in Arcata are three times higher than they are in Holland. 
This light helps grow these beautiful tulips. They couldn't possibly have been grown in the darkness. Light is a necessity for life. So it is in our lives. There is no life in darkness. Let the light of Jesus shine through us. Jesus said in John 12.35, The one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth you gave to me. Place in my hands the wonderful key that shall unlock and set me free. The Bible says in Matthew 4.16, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Friends, ask Jesus to open our eyes and let his light shine. He said in John 8.12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Put your trust in Jesus. Accept him as Lord and Savior. And we will no longer walk in darkness. Follow Jesus. And he will provide us with the light of life, of life eternal. Let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Thank you. God bless you. Amen.